Harrison Price for Monday, December 18th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center. Downtown Vancouver, where you can experience the heart of downtown Vancouver, close to all your favorite local attractions and restaurants, of course, the Stadium District as well. To book a stay, call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things in this show. A presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Langley has a roster of vehicles, all built for BC, really, depending on your need for cargo and that. But the Rogue, the Qashqai, hey, the brand-new 2024 Pathfinder. How about financing that one for 4.99%? Go check it out at Applewood Nissan in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. We are asking you, given the cost of acquisition, I think some people are missing that, which edition has been the best of the Rutherford-Alvin era? Philip Ronick, Dakota Joshua, Andre Kuzmenko, or other? You can vote at Sikharsen Price on Twitter and YouTube. We're asking this because of a tremendous weekend for Dakota Joshua and a third line that has frankly been good for a month plus here, Blake, with Teddy Bluger and Connor Garland. But Joshua dents the score sheet both games over the course of the weekend. And as J-Pat was pointing out, he's pointing this out to us on Friday, but just the beat continues for Dakota Joshua. He is one of the NHL's leaders in hits. He leads the team. He's become a leading penalty kill forward, and God knows they needed better penalty killing mm-hmm. this year. Up to seven goals and 12 points in 31 games. And some size on a team that doesn't have a whole lot and a willingness to muck it up. Not necessarily to the Nikita Zadorov level of yesterday, but he's been indispensable. And that line has really helped underwrite what has been not quite the same level of star production that we were accustomed to early in the season. So last year at this time, it's Kuzmenko by a mile. And really, Kuzmenko and Joshua cost you just the cap space. Ronick, of course, cost you the first and the second round pick. So I voted for Joshua. If Kuzmenko's game was in a better place, I might vote Kuzmenko. But given where his game's at and what Ronick cost you, I voted Dakota Joshua. You've been you've been the one trotting out. Like every time I bring up a criticism of Kuzmenko, you'd be like, "Well, he's he's still got X number of goals and X number." So he's got forty five goals. Yeah, there's still a case to make for Kuzmenko. But the the thing is, Blake, is all that production came in a year where they were desperately out of the playoffs from the jump. Yeah. Whereas Joshua is doing it. For a team that's sitting on a home playoff, uh, home ice advantage in the playoffs. Uh, the, the fact that it's zero cost for for uh, Kuzmenko tips mm-hmm. the scales for me, but uh, I, it does. Cre- like Kronik is a worthy choice too. I mean, he's the best player of the lot by a mile. So I can see why people most consistent when they weigh yeah. it as they weigh it. It's just you know he cost you a, a stiff was, price. There was a price tag, yeah. Uh, Josh was so super interesting. Like, what is his actual worth? The fact that he's never had a big NHL deal is going to be very interesting for Canucks management to yep. look at. He's at eight twenty five now on the cap. Um, you know, if you're the Canucks, do you, do you throw a, a two year one point two million dollar deal? They might scoff at that. Mm, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, they we, might, t- we get we get after this with Jeff later in the show, but I think you might be looking at a three year deal. Yeah. And and the, the thing can, about you can't a go one point six or something like that for this well, guy. Well, but can't. on a three year on a three year deal, Blake, then you might be able to get the price lower right. back 
in the territory that you just cited. Yeah. Whereas a two-year deal, I think he's going to be looking to like double up Again, what he's making now, which is in the what seven hundred thousand range. He's played one hundred and fifty National Hockey League games mm-hmm. too, so I think that's also well, what you throw back at the agent and say, "Listen, really nice." Yeah, eight twenty-five right now for Joshua. Yeah. But here, here's what I'll. Philip Ronick is a pretty darn good player. Most pro scouting staffs could tell you that. Andre Kuzmenko lit up the KHL. I think every European scout would have said, "Yeah, this guy can play in the NHL." Dakota Joshua is a credit to their pro scouting. They saw a guy in St. Louis who they thought could be more than what he had been, Mm -hmm. kind of a late bloomer. They jumped all over him in free agency, and he's rewarded them with, you know, a pretty good run here as a Vancouver Canuck over a season and almost a half. So, yeah, he's a credit to their pro scouting department, and I think he was an early clue that this management group as Frank Saravelli told us recently, was going to do its work and its best work, and of course, hands tied a little bit by the cap predicament they inherited, by improvement on the margins. Those 5% improvements in areas like third line, fourth line, backup goaltender, sixth defenseman, and Dakota Joshua was the early canary in the mineshaft there. At the time that he was acquired by the Vancouver Canucks, do you know how many regular season professional hockey goals he had scored? NHL? No, professional oh, hockey so goals. so AHL as well. NECHL. How many professional hockey goals in the regular season do you think he's I'll say 25. 21. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, but here's the thing, and we've seen it ourselves at the NHL level with, with Joshua. He's got good hands. Like, like, a, like a, several already of his 18 career Canuck goals. Mm-hmm. Are like highlight goals. Like he's 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 had some really nice goals. Um, what I wonder, uh, I think what won over scouts the year before he was acquired by the Canucks. That year, I guess they go into the playoffs. The Springfield Thunderbirds in the AHL. He had 15 points in 18 games in that playoff run for Springfield. Seven goals along the way in the playoffs of the American. Go. And I think they saw that and went. That guy's got something to give, mm-hmm. and, and he has. Vancouver Canucks get three of a possible four points over the weekend in a back-to-back scenario against the Minnesota Wild and Chicago Blackhawks. 4-3 they win Sunday against North Vancouver's Connor Bedard and the Hawks, now the worst team in the National Hockey League. 2-1 in a shootout, they lose Saturday in Minnesota to a desperate Wild team that's trying to scratch its way back into the playoffs. We said at the outset of this four-game road trip that you're not a, now at a position where if you think yourself a good team, if you are one of the better teams in the NHL, particularly given the lineup of of clubs that you're going to play, that you should be better or hoping, than, hoping for better than 500. And to get three of four out of the first two games means you can afford a split to Nashville and Dallas this week, Tuesday and Thursday, respectively, and come away with five out of a possible eight points on the roadie, which continues to keep you. And look, it is back to being five games in hand for the LA Kings in third place of the Pacific Divisions Division. But the Canucks should continue to be commended for staying ahead of the Kings and making life difficult for LA on their comeback trail with all those games in hand. Now up six points, and as you brought up last week, if you know the Canucks' uh, four-game winning streak and 
keeping their foot on the gas here means LA is going to have to win a lion's share of their games in hand. Well, they won't. They won't because of the Canucks' ability to win games regulation. You know, tiebreakers are going to go in their favor now for the foreseeable future. Um, the Kings would need to go three one and one in their five games in hand to get ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. That's the kind of challenge you you have to put down uh, against the Chase team is. You're, you're going to have to be really good to catch us, and and that's the case. And just I love the math when you look at the the wild card, like 14 points up on the hard-charging litters, or 13 now. I mean, like, good luck. Good luck, Edmonton. You're, you're down to 52 games, effectively, to to come back. How do you make up a 13-point deficit over 54 games for Edmonton? There are 28 games played. I mean, that that's not a lot of, not a lot of time. We know how hard it is to make a point in this league. Yep. Um, it's it's really good news. And and all due respect to the Sharks, they're playing much better hockey. Um, I mean, I, I would think Rick Tockett reminds them pretty strongly about what happened and the fact the Sharks have already beaten them. I mean, you have to Might think, have been the best thing that happened to them for yes. this fourth game that they lost the previous one because yeah. you know you're going to have people's uh, attention. So, you know, you got to believe they win that home game against the Sharks to, clo- to close out the pre-Christmas schedule. So, yeah, aim for a split here. Nashville's the tougher out now. Uh, Dallas is a good team. With the way they're playing, certainly. Dallas has only got five wins in their last ten. They're, they're playing fine, but they're not playing all world right now. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see well, what they've got. And... I mean, Dallas, the Canucks already have a victory over Dallas, and it was a gritty playoff-style win at Rogers Arena. And thinking back to J-Pat after that game, it was the first real signal that, hey, the life, the energy, the crackle is back at Rogers Arena. People are starting to buy this Canucks Club 23-24 and believe. And now they get an absolute gift because Jake Ottinger's out. Mm -hmm. Week to week, the fine Dallas goaltender, lower body injury, so, yeah, it's a big game against a good team. And as you say, Nashville is on a heater, too. So you got a couple of tests coming this week. But the Dallas game, maybe not as quite as scary with Ottinger out. And, hey, the Winnipeg Jets continue to play really good hockey. They've actually moved past Dallas for second place in the Central, both on the same number of points there. But it's a, a tiebreaker situation where the Jets hold the advantage by the, right by now. By the way, while you're talking Jets... Considering that the attendance story in Winnipeg, oh, wow. how critical is it for oh. that team? Well, to be and, good and this now year? Winnipeg hockey fans, where are you? Like, yeah, like, yeah, honestly, you're second, almost at the halfway mark of the season here. Right. I hope they start buying up tickets. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. nine five and one on home ice. They're plus twenty one goal differential, Blake. That's better than Colorado. Yeah, Canucks back up to plus forty one. Besser, who of course made his return to his home state of Minnesota on Saturday, talking about the game yesterday, saying didn't like the effort in the first period, needed a response. You sort of hope that somebody would have stepped up in that wild game. Gosh, Brock certainly had his chances, and you could tell he was on home soil. There were a lot of shots. Yes. (laughs) He wasn't looking to pass very much. No. Besser was on Saturday, but you played against a good goaltender who played so well that he got the second start of a back-to-back. Instead in of Flurry in, Gust- in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, you ain't got time to bleed if you're John Hines in the Minnesota Wild. Like, you're trying to make up a pretty big gulf to get back into playoff contention from where you were. And it's not a 30-year-old Flurry. I mean, no, exactly. Like, you know. 
you, you spot them in when you. I mean, it is I've back never to understood back, but... this. Oh, you got to play the guy against his old team, or oh, you got to play the guy because it's Saturday night, a hockey night in Kentucky. No, AV rule. You play the goaltender who gives you the best chance yeah, to win. Right. Yeah. And Gustafson certainly gave them the best chance to win after that performance and, and against also, the Canucks yeah, on Saturday. They also won the game. The, and that's the end. <laughs> so you can't not have to go regret. Herm Edwards here, but yeah, yes, okay. Uh, what did you think of Bedard against his hometown Canucks? I, I mean, I I think he he just looked like Connor Bedard. I, I don't know that there was any extra sizzle. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. What? We're, we're going to just downplay him now? We're so yeah. accustomed to him 30 games into his NHL career. That he himself like, downplayed it. He was, he was like. Well, of course he's going to downplay it. That's what hockey players do. Oh, but he could say, hey, it was really cool to see that. Uh, you know, he He's he he's sort of trying to back away. He's a Chicago Blackhawk now. He's just yes. trying to he's trying to win every game. He's trying to make an impact. He's the best player on that team every night. He's got to try to affect change. So I, I honestly, I don't know that it was probably very decipherable to a Blackhawks fan that there was any extra get up and go for Connor Bedard. It's not like he'd fired 10 shots on goal. You know, like he was, he was active, but he's always active. He's a shooter. Do you remember when the Chicago Blackhawks were making their rise up to ultimately three Stanley cup championships? And we looked up and down their lineup and we're like, Look at all the British Columbians there. Keith, Seabrook, Ladd, Brower. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for Macklin Celebrini and Connor Bedard, two Vancouver kids spearheading the next rise of Blackhawk hockey? It's not going to happen. They're not going to win the lottery again nope. next year? It's not going to happen. Nope. I refuse to Because believe. Shark Tank is not really on schedule there. No, for their home, for the kid that they consider also a home talent in Macklin Celebrini, a former San Jose Junior Shark. I mean, it. It's you saying because they got hot again. You mean? Well, they've won enough games here that Chicago's now the worst team in the league. Yeah, and in fact, the Sharks, albeit with one extra game played, are only one point back of Anaheim, and that's Anaheim coming off a win. On Sunday, remember Anaheim was were they like they were at one point hanging? Were they like eight and two? I think or something <laughs> like crazy. Was... I I put Ottawa and the Senators in that list of of lottery hopefuls, but they have like games in hand on everybody. They have six games in hand on some teams. Well, just, which is maybe so, why the Kings and Senators this year and the so few games compared to the rest of the league is just so utterly and bizarre. And the Sens, maybe that's why they also fired DJ Smith is yes. because is they see the, the runway ahead and think, we do have ch- time to affect change here. So they fired DJ Smith today, and like in the move that we saw coming a thousand miles away, Jacques Martin is the interim. Like we rolled Daniel Alfredson as an assistant know, coach. They're really getting the bands back together yes. there. I mean, please buy tickets. Such an eye roll when it happened. They're like, oh, no, no. He's not looking over his shoulder. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So that happened exactly as we forecasted. And uh, But, yeah, you're right. With just 26 games, I mean, you know, they're only a third of the way through the season. Well, let's hope Jacques gets them going on specialty team. <laughs> The, trademark phrases. You you know that I'm a fan of goal differential as a true indicator of how good you are. They're only a minus one. Mm-hmm. Like they like they they're down in 29th place, but games played is a big 
wow. reason for it, and they probably have some underachievement there that they can they can get better. They don't get a lot of goaltending even after Corpus Allo and the signing this summer, and Thomas Shabbat is seemingly ev- forever out. Every time I check their lineup, he's always out. Of course, they lost Pinto to the suspension this year, and, and Josh Norris was supposed to come back healthy to camp but still had a shoulder issue. So... Yeah, Ottawa and Buffalo were two teams that I think a lot of people looked at back east and said, ah, the rise of these two teams, they have such a nice collection of young talent and doesn't look like it's going to happen for them either uh, either club this year. Okay, back to the Canucks. Mm-hmm. So you got about 14 minutes left in the game. Elias Pettersson takes a, a good hit, a clean hit, but you know, needless to say, a finisher check type hit from Chicago forward... Reese Johnston, and you'll have to forgive me, Blake. There were some guys in the Chicago lineup. Johnson, not Johnston. There were some guys in the Chicago lineup last night I looked at and went, who is this freaking guy? I've never heard of him. And Nikita Zadorov avenges him, starts the fight, gets the instigator, is thrown out for the remainder of the game. Uh, Talkett said he didn't have a problem with it, although he said, you know, good rule as well with regards to the instigator. And that was not Johnson's first offense or perceived defense in the game. I think I'm in the minority here. I would have liked to have let to see that one pass. It's a two-goal game. It's not a three-goal game against a team that's going to be very hard-pressed to even the score at even strength. You hand them a power play. You hand Bedard a power play. Of course, they score, and you got some anxious moments at the end. It worked out for the Vancouver Canucks. And I can understand that's a new player to the team with all that size and physicality who sees the best forward get hit from one of their quote-unquote uh, uh, instigators, um, shift disturbers. So I can understand everything that went into that decision from Zadorov. I would hope if you're up against Nashville or Dallas, though, you're not you're not doing the same thing there. I think that's a different quality of opponent that a two-goal weed with that much time left, it's about getting the two points and finishing off the W and not giving them sniffs. Yeah, I, I still think, like, especially a guy with his reach and his uh, ability to move, like, if you're Zadorov and, you, and you're willing to take a penalty to um, to send a message to a guy, wait till your next shift. You're probably going to see this guy again in the corner and paste them. And if you take an elbowing call or a boarding call at that point, so be it. At least you're not out of the game. You know, like there's the giving the power play part of the uh, uh, process, but you also don't want to put yeah. yourself out of the game. Yeah, because then all of a sudden Ian Cole and Noah Jolson and other guys have to play more. Not only are you killing a on penalty. The second of a back-to-back yes. late in the third period. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I think there's got to be a calculus. Like, yeah. again, I don't like punishing for – for clean hits, but you know, if you do see a guy taking liberties on a regular basis and you want to send a message to the guy, send him a message, but try not to cost the team on a couple right. of different fronts. Let's hear from the head coach on this play. If one of your better players gets hit, you know, I think that's something around here that we don't mind that happening. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I actually like the rule. It's a good rule, you know, and then, but I also like the passion in Z. Yeah, so there you go. It's a balance. Um, I hate agreeing with the coach so much, but he's no. He's just, well, he's just, that's a really well, sound answer. You it's know? a very sound answer, and I particularly like the part. It's a clean hit on our best players, and we're okay. With and that we're okay or, with that. Thank you, because 
some teams in the league, some players in the league, seem to think a clean hit on a good player is the reason to go dog off a leash chasing somebody around the ice looking for retribution. It's nonsense. Well, and if you're even going to entertain that line of thinking at all, like Gretzky never hit anybody. So if he got pasted, well, yeah, I do see a little bit of a, of a logic there. Elias Pettersson, in case we've forgotten, has taken great glee in becoming a physical presence yes. this year. I'm sorry, it's not a one-way street. If he's going to be pasting guys and he's had a couple of really good hits this year he guess has. what he's allowed to get hit then himself yeah. so he can't have it both ways well yeah in particular because there are going to be canucks who staple the best players on other teams right later this season anyways they get away with it they win the game four three again against the worst team in the league thatcher demko terrific in the canucks goal over the course of the week and he becomes the nhl's second star of the week, Elias Patterson was excellent last uh, yesterday, Sunday, in Chicago. Uh, Brock Besser with another goal, so he continues to be right there amongst the National Hockey League's leading goal scorer, still tied with Austin Matthews at 23 goals atop the heap. And the Canucks needed that because, as we've talked about, the Stars have gone a, a little quieter here in the second part of this uh, second 15 game stretch here uh, of what they've got, what they've played to date. And uh, we're particularly quiet Saturday in Minnesota where Casey DeSmith plays pretty good in the Canucks school, stopping 30 of 31. And of course, into overtime in the shootout to get them a point. Yeah. Goaltending has been pretty critical. All season long, um, they are... Same with bottom six contributions here of late. Yeah, We I talked mean, about the third line being excellent. It, it's time. Like, I, I think yeah. on the road here, I want to see a night where Hughes... I want another three-point night from Hughes. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. Two and points and anyway. Look, two points anyway. You know, and, and look, you know, it's a two-point night for Miller against Chicago. Actually, a two-assist night for Tyler Myers. And Sneaky production from him. I was going to say... Tyler Myers is tracking to be around a 40-point defenseman this year, Blake. Yeah. It's not something we've talked a whole lot about. We typically highlight the mistakes Tyler Myers makes with this fan base and media. But let's give a little shine where it's due. He's been pretty good this year. What do you think his career and, high with the Canucks is? Oh, with the Canucks, I wouldn't know. But I'll say 32. 21 points. Really? Yeah. Just 21? Yeah. And he's at 15 right now. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, if he's going to put up something in the order of 35, 40 points, that's a heck of an offensive season from Tyler Myers. And if he plays as he is playing defensively over the course of the year, and I know everybody can pick a Myers game or two or a moment or two where he's dreadful, but if he can maintain, that's been a pretty good pairing. Well, here's the thing. With Sidorov. At a 20-point at, at per season rate. Then you've you got to be a great defensive right. player. If you're contributing 35 to 40 points, guess what? You can have a couple pizzas served up. It's not the end of the world. So he's he's buying himself some errors a little bit by by being a, a contributor. So that's uh, that's good to see. And and did, by, want, did you mention Demko's Player of the Week? Card? I did. Yeah, 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 second star. Yeah, yeah. And it, which it, it's funny. Like it, I don't know. Like it, it, a good week, but it doesn't feel like a spectacular no, week. No, and, and there he is. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they owed him one. Well, three shutouts 
It's time for the league lead. It hasn't yep. been, nobody's run. It's a, usually somebody has a freakish run. Right. And they're sitting All on five by year. Christmas, yeah. and it's, it's not happening right now. How about P.S. Suter playing right wing with Pedersen yesterday, Sunday? They move him there. They put Nils Oman in the lineup for Phil DiGiuseppe. Now, uh, I've long been a um, proponent of second of a back-to-back, even if you win, make a lineup change just to get some fresh legs in there. You may need them. But we was we had just started talking about that spine down center ice with the four centers, Suter being one of them, Bluger, Miller, and Pedersen. And as soon as we're talking about that, he throws us a curveball with Suter on the wing. Well, I'm going to ask Jeff about this, but I, 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 you know, for Band-Aids, for here and there, by all means, no problem. It's fine. But I do want to bring people back to Ilya Mikheyev's pedigree. Like, the, Ilya Mikheyev's pedigree is not necessarily as a top-line winger. He was the third-line winger in Toronto. Yeah. Now, good collection of forwards there, but he was the third-line winger. And I've got zero problem with him playing with Pedersen. Zero problem. But then I'd like that other winger to have a little acclaim as well. Yeah. And right now, that's not happening. So... Like, J.T. Miller has Brock Besser on his side, and we can say about underachieving. Brock Besser, even before he went on this clip this year, he's a 29-goal scorer in his history. Like, I wouldn't mind a 29-goal scorer on Elias Pettersson's wing every single night. Like, he deserves that, probably. You know, they're trying to tell this I guy. Think between Kuzmenko and Suter masquerading there, I want to give both those op- I want to give both of those situations some opportunity here. If both of them flame out, then I think you're categorically on the market for a top six forward at the trade. Well, I think they're on you the may, market now. You, yeah, you are now. You're just not panicked about it. Exactly. Yeah. We should also mention there was another trade to announce from Patrick Alvey. <laughs> and boy, has he been a busy bodied GM with yet another in-season trade here. Is that six? He leads the league in trades this And you might think, season. oh, it's a minor league trade. Tell that to San Jose because Jack Stadnika is being elevated to the third-line center role, I believe, in, in San Jose right now. Shout-out to our friend Eric Curry, who's uh, been a long-time Securison Price listener and podcaster down there in San Jose. Send me a note Friday. What can you tell me about Stadnika? Well, the Canucks get rid of a one-way salary with a guy who needed an extraordinary camp in preseason just to crack the lineup. But it's clear he's now been passed by Nils Oman when you're looking at call-up forwards who can also play the middle. Now Stadnika is the right shot, so there was a little bit a little bit of a lean and there. I wish, or, and, and I wish Chichek was the right shot, to be honest. Yeah, but, but he's a guy who's played NHL games, and you get a six-round pick with him. Yeah. So, you know, another on the margins, I think, pretty good trade. And, and if Chichek is a guy like Joshua, who they saw and went, there's wow. actually more there. Okay. Still a long way to go there. But, but he's only 23. Yeah. So there's there's some youth and upside potentially. And the other thing it does is it keeps in good stead with agents, right? Okay. Your, your, your guy had a good run here. Yeah. We gave him some opportunity. He didn't fully seize it. But before he goes about languishing on our farm team and getting bypassed by all these other call-ups, Here's another opportunity to go play NHL games in San Jose. And he will. And Chichik's Winnipeg guy. So, you know. Oh, is he? Salt of the earth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on Friday when we left you, we also talked about how didn't think the Canadian World Junior entry would get any of these NHL teenagers. Well, the boss, but we also allowed for the fact that Poitras hadn't been playing well. 
in Boston, his ice time was diminishing a little bit. And so sure enough, the Bruins lend center Matthew Poitras to the Canadian World Junior entry. And the Canadian team could really use it because I can't remember the last time the people covering camp have been this down on a Canadian team's chances. Yeah. Uh, everybody talking about the host Swedes, and of course, they usually go undefeated in the round robin of this tournament and then fall somewhere in the medal round. And everybody in love with this USA entry, which looks just teeming with talent. So, yeah, look, Canada, each and every time they strap on blades at an international tournament, it is gold or bust. That is the same with this team. But this looks like a higher mountain to climb than some of the others, particularly you think last year's team and Connor Bedard and just how sensational it was. Macklin Celebrini may not have the same number of supporting talents that Bedard had last well, year. Well, and that's assuming, like I've seen that this written too, that, you know, Canada needs Macklin Celebrini to have a Connor Bedard like juniors. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot to ask of I Macklin mean, he, Celebrini. He was centering their first line at one point during the camp. He was on their wing on the first line. I've also one. seen him yeah. now move to the wing. He may, but it, he, he, whether he plays center or the wing, and with Patras back now, it may well be the wing. But he is going to be counted on to be a top six forward here oh, as yeah. a seventeen year old. Yeah, which is not something a lot of Canadian teams have had to count on. Sure, the occasional guy, Bedard, McDavid, and Celebrini is probably quite happy to be in that company. But typically, one of the reasons Canada wins this tournament more often than not is they've got really good 19-year-olds who are well-seasoned and are able to carry the scoring load yeah. as well as being more responsible defensive players than 16- or 17-year-old you know, stars who haven't quite figured it all out. It's also a feather in the cap of Macklin Celebrini, who has long prided himself on being a 200-foot centerman. I've heard a lot of stories about him getting on teammates and line mates at Shattuck St. Mary's at the Chicago Steel when they haven't played the defensive side of the puck. So uh, I do think you have a more mature 17-year-old there. But then and I think he, a lot of people will discover that over the course of this tournament. I mean, he's not going to forget the defensive side because it's ingrained in him, but, you know, I'm sure they would forgive him if he did. Like, they need goal scoring. They need goal scoring. Yeah. They need offensive driving. So um, yep. let's hope uh, we Especially because you think that U.S. team is going to be able to score and not only score, but going to be able to drive points from the blue line. Yeah. With Lane Hudson, the fantastic, and he's a teammate there of Macklin Celebrini and his brother Aiden at Boston University. But they have defensemen who can move the puck and start generating offensive opportunities on top of a, a pretty good-looking uh, core of forwards as well. On to football, where, Blake, we have teams clinching playoff spots and eliminated from playoff contention in the National Football League. The 49ers beat Arizona. They have clinched the NFC West. Dallas loses but clinches a playoff spot. Eagles have already clinched a playoff spot going into the Monday Nighter against Seattle down the I-5. And the Baltimore Ravens, by virtue of their victory over Jacksonville on Sunday Night Football, have clinched a playoff spot. We've eliminated Tennessee, the Jets, and New England in the AFC, Washington, Arizona, Carolina, in the NFC, despite Carolina getting their second victory of the season. And that was one of, I think, five disappointing losses for NFL clubs this weekend. How do you lose that game, Atlanta, when you're right in the thick of it for the NFC South 
and for an NFC wild card, but they fall to Bryce Young and the Panthers in Charlotte. Minnesota has a lead over Cincinnati on Saturday and blows it late, despite getting a pretty darn good performance from Nick Mullins, who I believe was their fourth or fifth quarterback of the season. Green Bay gets handled by Tampa at home in Lambeau. Seems like every time Green Bay looked like they were getting back in that game, Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers slammed the door. A big loss. That was the battle to see somebody get to 7-7. Seven and seven. Right. I think Denver, you got to be disappointed because you played yeah. so well and you were never in that game against Detroit. And, and Pittsburgh, you've got a 13 nothing lead against Indianapolis, and you can't close that game out. In fact, you get boat raced out of it. So those are the disappointing losses. Big wins, credit to Detroit, took care of business, had shown some cracks. We mentioned Tampa, Indianapolis as well. Houston down 16 points, rallies to win the game in overtime late against Tennessee. You got to hand it to Buffalo. Building off the victory over the Kansas City Chiefs, they have now beat I mean, to beat Dallas and Kansas City in back-to-back yeah. weeks, I think that you've got to consider the Bills a Super Bowl contender again. Yeah, although it wasn't like a famous win over Casey. Well, it was a famous win over Dallas. Yeah, it was certainly that. But yeah, I mean, you don't give back the win, so they've, they've got no. it. And uh, I mean, and yet still, they're hardly in the catbird seat right now at eight and six. No, but they still have the ability to win the division. They still got a game against Miami. Yeah. And their schedule before that final weekend game is easier. So, opportunity. Jasmine kind of blew a big opportunity, too, because their schedule is easy-peasy the rest of the way here, and that would have put them in an excellent spot with a victory. Alas, no. But you're right. The Bills could easily be a 10-win team visiting Miami in the final week. Mm -hmm. That would be fun if the Dolphins skid a little bit. Well, yeah, they need Miami to lose one of these next two games. Remember, they beat Miami in the first. They have already beaten Miami. So they need Miami to lose one of these games. And now Baltimore is in good stead, despite a a tough schedule, being atop the AFC. And then I want to shout out the Browns here as well, because you're now the lead wild card amongst the AFC teams. And you're not going to catch Baltimore atop the uh, AFC North. But... You were down 10 points in the fourth quarter against a Bears team that was playing hellacious defense, and you somehow find a way to come back and win that football game, further enhancing your chances in the wild card because, you know, both conferences there, Blake, have a lot of teams in and about 500 with multiple playoff berths available to them, and Cleveland took a big step forward this weekend to say, no, one of these things is ours. Yeah. You all fight for the last two wild cards. We're taking one of these home. The Joe Flacco story. So with regards to the Seahawks, for the most part, this was a pretty good weekend for them as they sat there and watched if the you're NFC. you're hoping for the playoffs. Oh, I think you are. Are you? So you would have liked the Commanders to beat the Rams. You would have liked the Giants to beat New Orleans. But let's face it, those things were very unlikely. You got losses from Minnesota, Green Bay, and Atlanta that keep you around. And two of those were upset losses. I mean, Tampa going into Green Bay and Carolina beating Atlanta were things you probably weren't expecting if you were the Seahawks. You got them. You also got Minnesota blowing the lead and Cincinnati win the game Saturday. So, look, 
Uh, Jalen Hurts has been sick over the course of the week, and there's been some bugs sweeping through different NFL rooms. And they've been terrible the last two weeks. Yep. So, so the dream is not dead yet for the Seattle Seahawks, as much as Blake Price and some of the naysayers want to count them out. Well, I mean, the schedule after this, after this ter- just terrible schedule uh, for the Seahawks, it, you know, it, it does get a little bit easier for them uh, the rest of the way with the Titans, Steelers, and Cardinals to finish off. So we'll see. We will see. Let's, uh, oh, let's remind them. Got a day and a half left here. Wednesday. We will be picking the two winners of VIP autograph tickets at Pastime Sports for the December 30th appearance and signing from former Vancouver captain Marcus Naslin. We are giving away a pair of VIP autograph tickets. Text hashtag Nasland to 778-402-9680. Remember, just hashtag Nasland. Don't add any kind of rationale as to why you'd be the winner. Don't add any umlaut or anything to his name. Hashtag don't misspell it. Hashtag Nasland. It's a chance to meet Nazi. Get a signature December 30th. The event starts at 1 p.m. at Pastime Sports in Langley. And tickets available, pastimesports.ca. We will be picking two winners at random and announcing on Wednesday's program. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you. By Greta. Greta, great spot to catch the game throughout the season. Quick wi- quick walk to the Rinker Stadium's go-to spot for food, drinks, fun before and after the game. Make it a game night pre and post during at Greta, 50 West Cordova, or at GretaBar.com. We'll talk to J-Pat. Long list of topics. The slow starts. Zadorov avenging Petey the week ahead. Dakota Joshua, Connor Bedard, Pew Suter. Big names, Brock Besser going back to Minnesota. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including Al Michaels and Nathan Rourke. They feature in hashtags. To the people we go, never a bad time to send us a hot take. Could tell me I'm wrong or any comment on what you hear here on Secure Some Price or see on some of our social channels. You can text 778-402-9680, the Great Clips text message inbox, email live at scaresomeprice.com. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com. And Blake, I'm going to lead us off today with a tweet from Justin Dunk at jdunk12 of Three Down Nation. Due to the timing of Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke being waived for a third time, see, third time being returned to the practice squad from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He'll earn an active roster game check this week of 41,666 U.S. dollars. His active roster and guaranteed earnings season to date is just shy of $310,000. There'll be some practice roster money there as well, plus three more games and potentially some playoff checks as well as the Jacksonville Jaguars are in a playoff position now. So you asked long ago, What's the money going to be like vis-a-vis what he could have earned in the CFL? I have no doubt that the Lions would have made him one of, if not the highest paid, yeah. 
quarterback and player in the Canadian Football Which League. Would have been three fifty or four? No, no, more than that. So? Yeah, yeah. I think more in the five six range. Yeah, yeah. Bottom line here is you're looking at something that's close to a wash. Yeah. Even it keeps with the, the dream alive. Yeah. But that's it. it. It keeps the dream alive. Now, I'm sure Nathan Rourke feels like, look, if he's not out all that much money, or if he's, he may not be out any money at all, um, that it's worthwhile. This will be the test going forward. Does he feel like there's still opportunity to play? How much does he miss being on that field? Because let's face it, you know, a competitor of that nature, of that order, at some point is going to want to play. Yeah, by all means. Um, and, and I think his decision to choose the Jaguars is a good one here too. Uh, like the, the questions about that, because they've got a young quarterback and now a veteran behind him that – you know, doesn't lead you to believe that there's a chance for Nathan Rourke anytime soon. Now, Lawrence did not look great yesterday. No. But it's hardly going to cost him his job. So Lawrence, um, Lawrence continues to make mistakes that I would have thought a generational quarterback this deep into his NFL career yeah, would Yeah, that be late first to. half, uh, you know. He's still not particularly great at protecting the football. No. Um. And I don't just mean fumbles. I also mean try, trying to fit some some throws. I, I actually wonder whether Rourke is kicking himself a little bit in terms of the decision to go Jacksonville when you just yeah. look at so many weak. mediocre to weak to no hoper quarterbacks that are yeah. getting chances elsewhere. Anyways, we'll we'll see where all this we'll see where all this goes. But barring something unforeseen at this stage of the game, like Nathan Rourke very much had a red shirt. NFL season. I'm, I'm all CHL tweets today, believe it or not. At Hall 1289, Hunter Brustevich picked up two assists yesterday, putting him up to 55 points through 34 games. He's now tied with Carson Rekhoff, who's away with Team Canada for the OHL point lead. He's just two points shy of his point totals from last year. Mm. Like, Hunter Brustevich could still lead the OHL in points. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you sell while the stock is high here? If Hunter Brustevich can return you a top four right shot defenseman as the chief piece in a yeah, it has package, to be more than that, yeah, or or a or a top six winger, is that somewhere you're going? Probably because I think you don't want to move Lekaramaki or Wheelander, right? Like those are the ones that I think you want to keep hands off of. So that brings you to Brustevich. That brings you to next year's first round pick. I only say that uh, that I would because the, those that watch him all the time say, hey, great season, nice player, but this isn't Mikhail Makar out there. Like, this, this isn't a guy who is blessed with um, one skill or two skills that are just gobsmackingly good. You know, um, it, it's all falling right for him, and clearly he's a good player. But it, it, he's he doesn't wow you like Hughes and Makar and those kinds of a player. So mm-hmm. yeah, I am I am probably yeah. more willing to go down that road with him. At underscore ML football wild rumors have been going around that the reason Al Michaels was removed from the NBC playoff coverage is due to his comments referring to Taylor Swift, where he said, "quote You can't make the sideshow the show." 
This is via the New York Post. Yes, we were surprised to read, and apparently it was a surprise to Al Michaels, that he is not going to be one of the play-by-play voices when the NFL reaches its playoffs this year. And he was talking about just the media, the media coverage of Taylor, or is he talking about yeah, Travis I, I, Kelsey's I, no, life? I no, think, I think it was a little too much. I think the constant cutaways to the box where Taylor Swift was watching the game, and she was in attendance last night watching the game. I love the part where she screamed foul when her husband, or sorry, boyfriend, mm. took that dive in the end zone, mm. and it was a world-class mm-hmm. dive. I mean, it was Greg Louganis in the, in the end zone there for Travis Kelsey. But I think just the constant cutaways, you know, her in the opening in terms of setting up the game uh, with Travis Kelsey's involvement is a little much for uh, an 80-year-old. Now, the other thing is he's been pretty negative all year. Yeah. He's been getting <laughs> bitter. He's been, he's been handed shit sandwich after shit sandwich in terms of the quality of the games yeah. that he and, he and Kirk Herbstreet have had to call on on uh, on yeah. Prime. But with, with that in mind, he should almost but, be happy there's something else to talk well, about. You would, you would think, I just wonder if they look at it and go, okay, he's moving into cranky old man status. Yeah. Others think it was his performance last year in the Chargers-Jaguars pro- playoff game. Uh, Jacksonville erased a 27 nothing deficit to come back and win that football game. And a lot of people thought like Al didn't rise to the occasion in terms of what was one of the great comebacks in NFL history. So anyways, um, Al Michaels sounds like, and and frankly, Blake listening to him at different times this year, and I don't know his contractual status. I would not be surprised if this is Al's last year calling NFL games. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, we've seen this in the NHL too, with some, Elder statesman, mm-hmm. play-by-play guys, Bob Cole. You know, like eventually, it just does need yep. to come to an end. Turned seventy-nine in November, so not so everybody's not Vin. 80. When, when did Vin no. hang it up? Eighty-seven or I something. Think he was hundred and three. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. At hockey underscore Robinson, Joe Aginla with his first career WHL goal at fifteen years old. Cheese grater on and still snipes and sellies it like a vet. You love to see it. Uh, of course. Wait, this isn't Tig. This is Joe. No, this is not Tish. This is, Tish, by the way, he's got 25 goals and 42 points in 32 games as a 17-year-old. So Tish is doing just fine. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. This is younger brother Joe Aginla, who's 15, has got the call-up from the Oil Kings and has a goal and an assist in two games in his call-ups. So... We haven't heard the last of the Aginla family by a long margin. Mm-hmm. We could have a couple of uh, legacy players coming up here out of the WHL, and they seem to have their dad joie de vivre as mm-hmm. well. Lastly, at Nuclear Golf, Victor Hovland says he won't go to live golf, but blasted PGA Tour management. Quote, the management has not done a good job. They almost see the players as labor and not part of, and not as part of the members. After all, we are the PGA Tour. Without the players, there is nothing. When you get to see what happens behind closed doors, how the management actually makes decisions, which are not in the players' best interest, but best for themselves and what they think is best, they are businessmen who say, no, it should look like this and that. There's a great deal of arrogance behind it all. And this comes on the heels of the announcement Friday that the PGA Tour is pursuing that deal with the 
American Sports Ownership Group, um, different franchise owners in the Major League Baseball, the NFL, yeah. and the NBA getting together. Um, there is still a parallel discussion with the Saudi PIF. And it could be fun, and 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 um, they're slated to meet family. this week. Yeah, like uh, all three could come together, right? There are meter, meetings uh, um, this week between Jay Monahan and the PIF, and the initial framework, of course, of that deal announced in June called for a culmination by the end of the year, so a couple of weeks less than away. But there is a um, school of thought now that if there is traction this week. With the PIF, that deadline would simply be extended into 2024. Hovland's right, though. I mean, uh, of all of any sport, and really the labor should be involved in these discussions anyhow. And it, but this one in particular, of course, because it has competition that is doing things differently and has different formats and all that sort of stuff. Like making sure that you keep who you've got still in your camp happy and intrigued by what's by the future like they are their satisfaction with your product is integral in the continuation of your product well and especially because there is not member club representation at right. a, or a governor's table right these independent contractors don't have that extra layer of right. playing for a team that you is know negotiate exactly them. yeah so no um, and and as we've talked about monahan has been absolutely played here like a fiddle. Yeah. And we'll see where this goes, either by the end of this month and year, or potentially it drags into 2024. And that's hashtags for today. Secure's Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Ford and Port Hardy has got the 2023 F-150 with financing that you have to see to believe, 0.99% with a $1,500 bonus attached to it. It's never been easier to get into an F-150. Go to Applewood Ford in Port Hardy. It's all good at Applewood. Full question today, given the acquisition costs, which addition has been the best of the Rutherford Alvin era? Philip Ronick, Dakota Joshua, Andre Kuzmenko. You can vote other if you choose. We will put it to our next guest. You can vote at Sikarison Price on Twitter. And YouTube, we'll put it to our next guest, Canucks reporter Jeff Patterson of Rinkwide, who had a busy weekend. How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. I mean, hey, uh, early starts, they're not for everybody. I don't mind them. And uh, I'm not sure that they're the favorite thing for the Canucks based on the way that they came out of the starting blocks in both of those games. But you know what? All things considered, the process far from perfect, but hard to argue with three or four points at the tail end of a four and six stretch with a little bit of travel there and then ultimately back to back. So would you have loved a sweep of the weekend? Sure. But uh, if it's all about just putting points in your back pocket and that's what it seems to be for this Canuck team now, 21 victories and 44 points on the season. Again, I think they'll take that. And now the tests come uh, a little tougher in both Nashville and Dallas to wrap up the road trip. What did you make of young Bedard in his first game against his hometown favorite team? Yeah, very much as advertised. Uh, five shots on goal. I think he had seven attempts. Uh, the shot was there. We saw it a couple of times. It's incredible how little it takes for him to just get maximum velocity on that shot. But we've seen that uh, for years coming up through juniors and the world juniors. And so I'm not surprised, but uh, uh, 23 minutes of ice time as well. Uh, they're down. Uh, they're pressing. And of course, they're turning to him. It's just as I watched that game, I kept thinking like, all right, this is fun. And it's going to be fun for a long, long time. But 
man, do they have to do a job surrounding him and insulating him and finding him some players to play with. The You know, leads the team in goals and assists and points. Uh, I think uh, heading into that game, nobody else on the team had more than 16 points on the season. So uh, it's going to be a slog on a lot of nights. They're not winning many games now. And I hope that uh, he could keep his spirits up and not sort of get bogged down by all the losses. But uh, no, he was good. Uh, you know, picks up a couple of assists, as we said, you know, on two of the three goals that they scored. And uh, I know that uh, at the tail end of the game there, they got the goaltender out. Uh, they were pressing. Uh, I thought uh, he got tripped up by Elias Pettersson. Petey maybe got away with one there, could have put uh, Chicago back on the power play. And I'm not sure that's what the Canucks wanted or needed at that stage because uh, penalty kill now a little bit of an issue for the hockey club mm -hmm. again, but uh, already counting down the days to January 22nd when Connor Bedard makes his one and only visit of the season. Nice uh, to see him more. Nice to see a more prominent game for the big players on the Canucks yesterday oh. because uh, it's great to get bench scoring. It's great to have them contribute and steal you a win from time to time, but it's supposed to be from time to time. You're supposed to be led by your stars, and the fact that best from Pedersen get on the score sheet yesterday was uh, was nice, despite the fact I don't think it was an overall dominant performance. The underlying stats for Pedersen are spectacular, um, but what did you think of, of the, the rise again of the big names? Yeah, it took them all a little bit uh, too long to get going, in my opinion. I know it was back-to-back -back for them, but uh, they were shot 10 nothing at one point there. Again, this is the worst team in the National Hockey League with the virtually no offensive weapons. And so uh, they needed that power play goal late in the first period. I love the release of Elias Pettersson. It wasn't the big wind-up one-timer, but uh, sort of Brett Hull-esque getting down to one knee and snapping it home. Nice pass from JT Miller. And yeah, I mean, on Saturday in Minnesota, that game was begging for any one of the Canucks' top players to be a game-breaker. And if you can't get it done at 5-on-5, five five, they had five power play opportunities against the Minnesota Wild, and they needed a power play goal. So power play remains a work in progress. It was nice to see it strike uh, in that first period. And then, yeah, I mean, Brock Besser, unfortunately for him, he couldn't uh, score and extend his point streak in front of his home fans and family in mini on Saturday. But, uh, you know, a game feels like an eternity now without a goal for Brock Besser. So no surprise that he bounces back and scores in Brock Besser fashion down the left wing, right shot and snapped it home. And so up to 23 and he's back in the tie with Austin Matthews as we sit here and record this. So, uh, I mean, the, the year of Brock Besser continues. He's probably hoping that uh, or maybe he's going to apply to extend 2023 uh, for a few more months. I hope the flipping of the calendar doesn't affect the way that uh, he has played uh, because that was a big goal. Obviously, 41 seconds apart, uh, the Joshua goal followed by Brock Besser's goal. And and that sort of wrestled control of that hockey game away from the Blackhawks at that point. The, uh, the fact that the Canucks have a busy week going into uh, the holiday season, uh, you know, they, they get obviously the travel out of the way yesterday easily easily get into to uh to nashville and have some uh some time there to prepare here uh but you know they've got excuses here in terms of the ferocity of their schedule uh, at least in terms of the quantity of games if not the opposition um they've got excuses but at the same time i don't think they want to use them by the end of the week a, a four game week leading into the the holiday break this is you don't want to end what has been a very nice first half of the season uh, by letting things skid into the holiday break. And and there's enough signs of cracks here that, I mean, they have to be at least a little bit concerned that that's a possibility here. Yeah, I think if you're Rick talking, you're just appealing to their professional pride that, guys, it's three games, suck it up. Uh, because if people haven't looked ahead, uh, after the holiday break there, or after the holidays, 
Uh, it thins out considerably. I mean, they've got one game between December 23rd and January 2nd. They play the Flyers on the 28th, and that's a home game. So uh, they're going to get a holiday break. They're going to get some downtime and some rest and relaxation with families. And then they pick back up, but there'll be some practice time in there. Uh, hopefully a chance for guys to, you know, if they're nursing things to recover from those. And then, you know, hit the new year running once again. But the tests get tougher here. Uh, it it kind of feels like the hockey world is sleeping on the Nashville Predators, who have won four in a row, seven of eight, 13 of their last 16 hockey games. Nobody's talking wow. about the Nashville Predators. Uh, the Canucks have beaten them twice already, but uh, that was then. And this is a Predators team that, you know, seems to be sorting things out and figuring it out under Andrew Brunette. So this one won't be easy. And then the Dallas Stars at the tail end of a trip, that's four and six for the Canucks. And that won't be easy either. But by getting three of four here on the weekend, they've set themselves up because I, I can't remember if it was with you guys or if it was on Rinkwide, but I, I, I kind of thought, you know, the days of just going 500 on a four-game road trip, given the way this team has played, I think it's time to raise the stakes a little bit. I thought five, you know, five of eight points was sort of the, the baseline for them. So they've got three already. If they can even split these last two, then they'll come home off the road with five. Then you've got to make sure that you don't slip up on that banana peel that is the San Jose Sharks sitting there on the 23rd, final home game visions of Sugar Blums dancing in your head. Uh, that's where I think, uh, again, professionalism is going to have to kick in. They know uh, they lost to the Sharks once already. So uh, don't want to imagine that. All the good the Canucks do, if they were to lose to San Jose on Saturday, they would split their season series 2-2 with the San Jose Sharks. So, Who are 6-3-1 uh, and one in their last 10 games, incidentally. San Jose's figured things out a little not bit. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. <laughs> okay. Cannot even conceive of that. <laughs> and it was with us that you talked about better than 500 at this stage of the game. What did you make of Zad uh, Zadorov avenging Petey in last night's game? Get in the gate with uh, a lot of time left in a two-goal game. You know what? I liked it. I, I, I think this is a new guy that's still trying to figure out his way and his role. And I, I'm not one of those guys that thinks that clean hits need to be challenged with a fight all the time. To me, it wasn't even so much the hit of Reese Johnson. Like it, it's a hit on, it's a hit on Elias Pettersson. And I think the Canucks have to be mindful of that. I just kind of felt in a four, two game that maybe the Blackhawks felt, all right, you know, another game's going by the wayside, another game that uh, we're not going to win. If they're starting at that point to get a little squirrely and start to take some liberties, I think you have to have some guys that step up and settle things down. Look, that is part of Nikita Zadorov's role. Like he's one of the biggest players they've got. Uh, he's a physical, imposing presence out there. And in a two-goal game, I was okay with it. If it's a one-goal game, I think you take a number and you know that you play the Blackhawks again. But I think that in that situation, you know, it's a message to his teammates that he's got their back. It's not even so much a message to the Blackhawks at that point. But I do think that the league is so heavily scouted. Everybody pays attention. You know, word gets around that if you're going to mess with Elias Pettersson, that some players on some other teams perhaps uh, will think twice. I mean, that's the hope, obviously. But uh, uh, whatever the case, I, I thought that was a sign of a good teammate. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that he deserved the instigator. Uh, you know, does he chase after Reese Johnson a little bit? Sure. But it looked to me like they squared up. Uh, I didn't think he grabbed or jumped Reese Johnson in that moment. So uh, whatever the case, said Rick Tockett said after the game too that he was okay with it. Uh, Lord knows he's been in enough of those uh, situations himself over the years. So uh, I think that's an element that they've been missing, quite frankly, in some uh, recent years. So I, I kind of applauded Nikita Zadorov. That said, yes, it put them a man short and uh, Blackhawks scored on that power play, made things interesting the rest of the way. But uh, I think there's value in a player like that sticking up for a, a star teammate. 
Dakota Joshua, I saw the rink-wide Vancouver post, that rink-wide van, uh, the pending UFA and everything he's doing for the club, not just scoring goals and setting goals up, and he was on the score sheet again in both games this weekend. But the hits, the penalty kill time, um, uh, what do you think? Do you think they um, Do you think they go about initiating contract talks and extension talks with him? Is he a piece that has to fall after Pedersen or Hironic? And how critical would it be to bring him back given the way he's going right now, Jeff? Right. And I think the, the Canucks as an organization have to figure this out because uh, we know that the last regime was guilty of overvaluing and ultimately overpaying uh, guys that are replaceable. That said, he's a 27 year old pending UFA with decent counting stats, but also leads this team in hits. He's found this role now as one of their top penalty killing forwards and is on a line right now uh, that absolutely is oozing chemistry and finding its way onto the score sheet too. Now, if Rick Tockett's going to be around as the head coach for a while, and I think he is, I think he values guys like Dakota Joshua. This isn't a team that has a ton of size, and we know how much he likes guys that win their fair share of battles, and Joshua does that and doesn't just lead the Canucks in hits. He's now one of the league leaders in hits. So I do think there's some value here. I don't think that this is just another replacement player I, I think you have to make that distinction if you're an organization and if you value what a player can bring and I still think there's some upside guys like that's a nice deflection yesterday the spinning backhand the other night against Florida like uh, this is a big guy that's got some hands on him and I, I think that there is still some room for improvement you know do I think he's gonna be a 20 goal scorer probably not but right now he's on pace to be a 15 goal scorer that leads your team and hits and kills penalties like there is value there so now the question is you know, what is the dollar amount? I would think at this stage of his career, and it hasn't always been an easy path to the National Hockey League, he's going to want some term, right? Like he's a UFA to B. Uh, I think uh, he's got some leverage in that regard. And so I think you'd be looking from his camp, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three years. And then, you know, at, at what dollar figure? He's making eight twenty-five right now, I think. So, you know, is he a million and a half guy? Can you go that far? Uh, then it gets a little bit dicey. But I think the other broader part of this conversation is this is why you'd like Elias Pettersson under contract now and Philip Hironic so that you know where your money's allocated and you can get your business done and you can start to slot guys in at different rates if you sit and wait. And like Jim Rutherford made the rounds last week, media blitz, and he kept talking about how they have uh, club control of Elias Pettersson for two more years. He's not wrong in that regard, but they're not going to let him walk to unrestricted free agency. And so really, as you try to get your ducks in a row, to me, it sheds light on the importance of getting a Pettersson deal done. And quickly after that, Philip Aronik. I mean, those are the big ticket items, but Nikita Zdorov's going to need an extension as well. And you make the trade for him. I, I think they want to keep him in the fold as well. And so, you know, remember the last regime that uh, infamous Thanksgiving after the bubble where they ran out of time and instead of getting anything done they let all those guys walk out the door you know they can't run the risk of that and so I think it underscores the importance of getting your business done and getting your business done quickly and so I do think once again uh, it behooves this hockey club to knock on the door of Pedersen and his camp and try to get them to the bargaining table yep uh, our poll question today, given the acquisition cost, best edition of the Rutherford Alvin era. Joshua's right there. We've put Kuzmenko, Veronik on the uh, list. Feel free to go off the board. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it's a long list, obviously. And you saw Casey Smith do his thing again on the weekend and deliver at least a point when the team in front of him didn't have it. So uh, certainly some value in the way that he played. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, if you'd asked Sam Lafferty, probably would have been on the poll question. He's cooled just a little bit, but uh, most of the acquisitions... Uh, low cost, but uh, some high upside for them. 
But yeah, I think Dakota Joshua has played himself into consideration here. Uh, again, there was no acquisition cost. And at the price point he's at right now, uh, absolutely. They are extracting all sorts of value uh, from the big winger. Well, yeah, I, he's a worthy, uh, he's a worthy vote. You bring up, bring up Lafferty. I wanted to ask you about Lafferty um, and just the line mates for, for well, Suter on the wing. Yeah. yeah I, Suter had a fabulous game, um, but are any of these guys worthy of being Leah Pedersen's winger right now? I, I, I think it's even a stretch. You know, Ilya Mikheyev as his winger is one thing, and it's okay to have uh, an elevated Mikheyev. Like, I think on a Stanley Cup team, you'd probably like Mikheyev to be a third-line winger. Um, but the fact that he's there, that's not the the hugest issue, as long as he's got a decorated winger alongside him, but he doesn't. It's another role player that's elevated. Is it is it high time? And is, is that part of Elias Pettersson's holdup here, maybe, is, guys, you need to surround me with some talent, and it's just not there for Elias Pettersson. Yeah, I don't know if that can be connected necessarily to the contract situation, but if you're Elias Pettersson, you want to maximize uh, you know, what you can do for this hockey club, and, and part of that is being put in a position to have finishers on your wing. Now, Ilya McCann is up to a, you know, 10 goals into double digits now, you know, tracking for somewhere close to 30. I don't know that he gets there, but uh, you're right. Like, so McCann is holding up his end of the bargain, uh, but a bit of a revolving door. Ultimately, you'd love Andre Kuzmenko to return somewhere close, anywhere close to uh, what we saw from him last year, but that's a stretch and a struggle and not like that happened anytime soon. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with Pia Suter sliding up into that position, but you know, he was signed as a center. He's a natural center. The one thing is that this guy has been a 14 or 15 goal scorer in all three of his years in the National Hockey League. You know, he's got some offensive chops there. And I also think he's got the kind of hockey IQ that will allow him to have a little bit of success with Elias Pettersson. But is it just a short-term situation? Does he feel like the long-term answer? Probably not. And so, you know, they're running out of guys that they can draw on from the bottom six that are going to get this opportunity. And at some point, maybe it's, you come full circle and you go back to, to Andre Kuzmenko. But yeah, I, I think that like just underscores again that they're one scoring winger short in the way that the roster is composed right now. And so uh, the question is, can they free up more cap space? Can they make this happen ahead of the trade deadline if they're going to go all in? And if they think that this is a year where they can actually make some noise, then that's going to be the magic trick, I suppose, is... Uh, you know, you want to get Carson Soucy back. You want to see what you look like with your top 60. Now that you've got Zadorov in the fold. Uh, and I think it focuses the attention on trying to figure out a way to cram one more scoring winger uh, onto this roster. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jeff. They are that winger short with a lot of teams that are looking to make their first Stanley Cup playoff appearance in years. You would say, okay, well, that's the piece they're going to add after taking their lumps this spring and getting that taste back. But of course, with this team, we know they are trying to accelerate matters. And that does make me wonder whether future assets are going to be in play here yeah, between now sure. and the trade down. I'm not sure it's going to be like Aramaki because frankly, he is the missing profile player. If he can make that smooth transition to, uh, to the NHL next season. And of course, Tom Wielander is that necessary piece on the back end. If he's or able picks, to move, perhaps, yeah. yeah, if he's able to move that, uh, make that smooth transition, but Hey, Suter played well. I mean, I know we were talking about that spine down the middle, fellas, and they finally had their four centers, but let's give Suter a chance there, and I'm with Jeff as well. You know, I think Kuzmenko needs another look there uh, before you go out and blow away uh, but his usage, assets to 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 uh, to replace that that spot. Jeff, his usage on the weekend didn't you know lend itself to thinking that Kuzmenko was going to get that trust back anytime soon. No, another third period where bench gets shortened, and he's part of that. Uh, but look, we go right back to training camp, guys. So we questioned Phil DiGiuseppe, right? And we thought yeah. you know, on a good team, 
not slotted quite properly. And so ultimately mm-hmm. he has dropped to the point where he's now a guy that comes out of the lineup for Nils Amon, but it leaves those, you know, that same hole uh, in the top six. And for the time being, uh, Nils Hoaglander has stepped up and earned an opportunity there, although even he's cooled a little bit here in the last week or so. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I guess we're at a point in time in hockey in general, where really it is more about duos than it is full lines. But I think when you've got the star power you do with Elias Pettersson, you'd love to have some consistent line mates. You'd love for him to forge a little bit of chemistry. Uh, it was there last year. Uh, that seems to be the challenge. Now, through all of that, and again, keep in mind, these were the Blackhawks yesterday. Uh, you know, I thought Elias Pettersson low-key had a really nice afternoon. He scored. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had five shots on goal. He had nine attempts. Uh, underlying numbers were incredible. I think uh, Canuck shot attempts were 16-3 to three when he was on the ice. That's the Blackhawks. They just don't have enough depth to match up, right? Like, if they try to cl- close down Brock Besser and JT Miller, it's going to free up a guy like Elias Pettersson to run wild, and he did. And so uh, his line with McKayev and Suter, and I thought Suter did some really nice work on uh, McKayev's goal. So, yeah, there was a lot to like there. Uh, problem is, there are much better opponents uh, lying in wait for the Vancouver Canucks than the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, quite right. Jeff, great stuff. Look forward to catching up later in the week. Thanks for this. All right, guys. Thank you. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people. I missed the people there. Been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. To the people we go, a presentation of Finning Cat. Improve productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finning.com, check out the extensive inventory on new, used, and rental equipment, and find the right solution to meet your unique needs. You need a part? Never been easier with Finning Cat's online service. Invest in the future of your business. Check out the latest at Finning.com. Friday's poll question we asked you, have the Canucks proven they are one of the best teams in the league? Got more than 2,300 votes on this. 63% of you said yes. Comments were all over the map and understandable because I think there were many different uh, ways to answer the question that computed. Jeremiah is pretty close. We'll see by Ulster Weekend, and this Canucks fan is a little more optimistic. Lance says, let's wait till the playoffs. Keith says, I can recall when they were doing really well under John Tortorella until Christmas before the wheels fell off. Ross in Lit Meadows. <laughs> Bottom 10 team to a top 10 team in one offseason. Unbelievable. Nutka. I voted for Kinda. Yeah, there were a lot of people in the comments sort of having to talk themselves into one or talk themselves out of the other answer. And Burnaby Joe says yes, but unfortunately Vegas and L.A. are both better, so getting out of the first round doesn't seem likely. And that yeah. is the downside. Is we sort of bandy, we'll get into it here with a few more feed, bits of feedback about, uh, you know, maybe an acquisition of, a, of this player or that player going all in. You know, we talked about that with Jeff a little bit. Is you still could face a very good team in the first round and well, lose quite easily. Like, it doesn't mean, like, the Canucks are not guaranteed right. a second-round visit. So it's quite an interesting calculation for Rutherford and Alvin because, yeah. as we have talked about, you're, I mean, you're looking at your team, honestly. You're a top-six forward away. You're a top-four defenseman away from really being. Like a, like a legit contender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a contender. Uh, and yet, and so you look at it and go, it's going to be tough to add that before the playoffs both those pieces. And yet 
with Leas Patterson and Philip Ronick getting more expensive starting next year, with the Oliver Ackman Larson cap hit savings not being as advantageous as it did this certainly as, two years from now, yeah, yeah, and, and then also Blake just the number of free agents that you either have to resign or replace, and what that's going to cost you on your cap. There is absolutely a case that you're probably never going to, There's you're probably not going to have a better chance here going forward than what you're looking at. And you know, this is why walking away from Dakota Joshua is a real possibility here because you can't have a guy on a career year and give him double the money now over mm-hmm. double the years. Like, you can't do that for Dakota well, Joshua. Just look, Joshua, Lafferty, Bluger, Myers, Zadorov, Cole, all unrestricted free agents, yeah. and Casey DeSmith. Yeah. Think of the contribution that collective group has made a lot. to your hockey club. Yeah. Some of them are absolutely replaceable players. Don't get me wrong. But the totality of seven of those guys. Those are nice peripheral players. That's going to cost you a fair bit of money to replace. Can't give raises to everybody. Nope. So you're going to have to make some decisions. You're probably not going to be as deep forward-wise next year. Yeah. We'll see where this goes over the next couple of months. It's a fascinating situation for Rutherford and Alvin. And, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, the owner's jumpy. You know, they've tried to accelerate in the past. So that's the organizational DNA. Well, this is where- Are they going to really pot commit to the degree they would have to pot commit to truly consider themselves contenders this season. You know, that's what makes a good wartime general manager, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. is you're, you're a playoff team. How do you keep repl- replenishing the periphery of the team? You know, the good GMs, they have their core. They're always paying their core guys, but they're able to recognize a peripheral guy who's on a heater. I'm not going to pay that guy. Yep. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to find a new peripheral guy that's going to give me the same. Tell me I'm wrong from Adam, the former bath guy. Watching the Wild in overtime should be enough ammo for the NHL not to allow teams to vacate the offensive zone to regroup. Yes, it was not a particularly compelling overtime on Saturday. Here's what I will say, though. Even the overtimes that are not particularly compelling with a lot of regrouping in the neutral zone and things of that order, you still have the anticipation that something is about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for like every regaining of the zone, once again, gets the antenna and the alert level up, the anxiety up. But for every overtime that is boring because of that, I, I think there's three that are great. I, I actually I don't think they need to re, uh, rejig that rule. I really don't. JC's got a couple of decent ones there, so we'll only litigate one of them. I like the second. Two hot takes. Prior to Quinn Hughes, Vancouver's best defenseman of all time was the worst best defenseman of all time for an NHL team. Interesting, and I think he could be right. Well, throw Vegas and Seattle out. I would have who's Columbus's best defenseman of all time? Zorensky. Zorensky, probably. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, he, you know, is Zorensky is Spurgeon Minnesota's? Uh, well, you get you had Ryan Suter, mm. not in his peak, maybe. I kind of did the early act, years. Act, Blad or Jovo in Florida? Yep. Okay. Yeah. There's some good ones there. Mm. The second one, Quinn Hughes is so far and away the best defenseman in Canucks history that the selection committee will not consider Alex Edler nor any other defenseman 
for the Ring of Honor. Has the I I I I'm gonna say it's Luke here because he's still a category leader right now. Yeah. And as much as Quinn Hughes has now raised the bar as to what's a good defenseman, and going forward, I think you're absolutely right. But well, Edler's also- a, a category leader, and that generally gets you into the ring. Also, I think you're going to have to make the decision on Edler before Hughes goes. Takes the lead? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's still a ways from yeah. that. And, I mean, Edler hasn't filed the paperwork yet, but I I imagine he's played his last NHL game. But I'll say this. Matthias Olin can count as lucky stars he got in when oh, he did. Oh, boy. Not lying. Harold, Harold snaps, too. Yeah. Like, if we had this I'll go happen earlier, maybe not. I, I like the take better than you. I'll go hot okay. and also to let Grady break the tie here. We got a Luke. We got a hot. Grady, where are you going? Hot, hot, hot. Not a boy. Mm-hmm. Tell me I'm wrong from Omar. Tell me I'm wrong. Connor Garland must be the biggest Canuck enigma of all time. A 50-plus point player in seasons past, widely criticized, and now at less production, getting accolades. I I still think and it's in it's in retrospect of his prior seasons that he's getting the accolades. Like if he wasn't leaving us wanting previously, I don't know that he's getting the accolades for what he's doing currently. But I still don't think you can possibly make the argument that his production is befitting his cost, his cap hit. It's just not. No, no, it's not. Although you take a look at that line for the last month. Well, the paces of a of they've, a 50 they've point helped pace. float a good team. Yeah, uh, as the stars have slowed down a little bit. And and I'll, I'll say this: what he does do is he eats up time. They don't get scored on a lot. No, nope. um, and that's a plus two, right? Basketball, Phil, tell me I'm wrong. Kuzmenko is a healthy scratch game one in the playoffs, and he doesn't draw in until the team is down a game. He just isn't this coach's type of player. Very well, could be. I would have liked that better as a hot take. I. I th- I think he could be a, a piece to be moved in hopes of something a little bit more consistent. I don't think we've I've seen the last of Kuzmenko scoring. I think he's a player in this league, but I just don't think the coaches mm-hmm. enjoy the in and out of his uh, game. R.Y., on the question of will anyone wear number one again, I'm sure somebody with little to no class like, say, Mark Messier will come and take the number. Yeah, there's, we allowed for the fact that a veteran goaltender who wears number one and would want that number coming on in. We'll see how far down the road it is. Uh, Grady in Victoria says, great interview with Gillis on Wednesday's episode. I hope he writes a tell-all book about his time with the Canucks in the NHL. It would be incredible. Well, little chance of that. There are rumblings that Ed Willis is working on. Well, he tweeted out the other day. Yeah. He, tweeted, he, said it, he said it's basically done. Oh, really? Yeah. Look forward to that read. And that, uh, uh, by, oh. all, by all scuttlebutt, has got some heat to it. I think so. I think so. Uh, responses to Frank Saravelli on YouTube. BC Van says, I'm a long-term Canucks fan. In my view, only Pavel Bure and Roberto Luongo deserve their numbers retired as Canucks. Wow. Boy, I mean, I, I don't know. Poor Hank, Danny, Trevor, Stan, but Marcus. Hank, Hank and Danny are in the Hall of Fame, yeah. so it, it, it mm-hmm. can't be real. Elvis thinks the owner is pissed at Luongo. We've said that. Could well be afraid of relationship there. Don't know. A uh, crown sound says he made his bed. Quit whining about it already. You underestimate or ignore altogether how disappointing it was when he decided to retire, knowingly pushing Vancouver into that epic recapture, then taking a cushy Panthers front office salary 
to cover his losses, a play to improve Florida and weaken the Canucks. That's it. That's the whole deal. Why not? You don't retire a frenemies jersey. I Look, we've heard that line of thought, that line of reasoning in the past, but that's not it. That's not all of it. Some just don't believe there should be any more numbers retired until they win a cup. But but the other part, the other problem with that with that theory, Crownstone, is Pavel Burry had a really messy departure here too, and he's up there. So if first he, ballot Hall of Famer. If he gets up there, why doesn't Lou? No, yeah. quite right. Got a lot of response on this. Farhan Lalji weighed in. He said, "Pure nonsense." Luongo's best years were in Vancouver, and the Canucks' best years were with him between the pipes. Pavel wanted out, too, and Lou was a Hall of, Hall of Famer, for goodness sakes. McLean is nowhere near that. Surrey Canucks says, we all know why he didn't get his number retired, and it's because of one person's ego. Sad that media isn't calling out that narrative and protecting him to save their passes. I, I think you've already heard it several times in today's show, so... <laughs> I don't think media is sidestepping that in any way. On J-Pat's interview from Friday, Will says Garland is ba- doing basically everything except scoring when it comes to the offensive side. You can tell his line mates in the bench will be pumped when he finally pots one. He's been working hard, just not getting the bounces. That third line has been really impressive, especially over this home stretch, and it continued through the first two games of this road trip. A PT Surfer says, I feel the next one up is Tony Tanny. It was further down Canucks history, but no doubt he deserves next. Uh, we we've all long said, if not, you know, why not by now then with Tanty? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's right on the bubble there for sure. Um, but I I think his time has passed, like in terms of consideration. And finally, Smarty four three two. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. We can think Juleson makes Myers expendable. He still holds on to pucks too long. It gets intercepted a lot of the time, just like Myers did before. Furthermore, he's not six eight with a long stick. Clearly, the coaching staff prefers Myers with so many minutes given to him. Still, after a poor start to the campaign, luckily Myers, without trying to do too much, has stabilized tremendously. I don't no. think anyone believes that Noah Juleson is an everyday player. Um, you know, on a great I threw team. it. I threw it out there. Uh, he's. He, I think he's a great. Hey, we got an injured. Kirsten Susie's injured, right. so he slots in. I, I threw it out there, but in the vein of, could you use Myers to get back a top four right side, a different kind of top four right side D, and not no, to move Juleson up the lineup. No one's saying that. Noah Juleson is a fourteen-minute third pair guy. Right. I could see that. Well, because like, here's the thing. You you watch him this year, Blake. He moves okay for a big guy. Yeah. And he just seems like he's more comfortable on the puck this year. And let's face and it. that comes with NHL reps. So There's not enough spectacular defensemen to go around. The sixth no. defenseman, no. even on contenders, is, is not going to be your favorite defenseman. No. no, he's not going end-to-end very often. No. Harrison Price from Wall Center. Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778 402 It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Errors and omissions from Friday's program and beyond. Uh, Noah Juleson had played 16 straight games going into this weekend. It's now 18 straight games. Mm. It's almost a quarter of the season now that he's hung in that lineup consistently. Granted, minus Carson Soucy, but ahead of Mark Friedman, other potential options on defense. Some are calling out Frank Cervelli for saying that 
Roberto Luongo is the goaltender who got them closest to the Stanley Cup. Now, people are doing that because the Canucks lost Game 7 for nothing to the Boston Bruins in game, in 2011, or as Kirk McLean and the 94 Canucks lost by one goal in their Game 7 Stanley Cup final. But, of course, Luongo got them to a 3-2 series lead and two opportunities to close out the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Whereas the Canucks had to come back in the 94 final. When you've got two kicks at the can, you like those odds better than one kick at the can. Right. So not sure how to litigate that yeah, one. You yeah. can see it either way. That might be a draw. And then I was talking about Curtis Rourke, the younger brother of Nathan Rourke, and how he's transferring to Indiana University from Ohio University, where Nathan went. Both Rourkes went. And said he'll get a chance to test himself against some of the power programs in the country. Uh, their schedule is out. They play Michigan, Ohio State, and Washington next year. They do not play Penn State, Oregon, or USC, three other schools I had listed. So carry on, Curtis Rourke, and we'll see what you're made of against the Wolverines, Buckeyes, and Huskies. That's kind of a murderer's row. So he has no West Coast games then? I was going to say. Uh, I don't know if they're in Washington, and I didn't check out UCLA, but I can... Mm. I'm be. Find that for, I, I mean, I would think that if they're playing Washington and UCLA, that one of those games would be on the road. Yes, so they should have a West Coast game coming up this fall. Time now for the Betway bets of the day. I walk in here today and Blake says to me, did you watch any of the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl? It was in, it was in jest, very much in jest. Mm-hmm. Because I most certainly did not. Um, I did not watch any of the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. I did watch some of the L.A. Bowl. And I watched some of the... uh what's the other game that I watched? Part of... Yeah, the L.A. Bowl. UCLA, Boise State. I'm going college football on my Betway bet of the day. Okay. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, the game is the Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl, Blake, from... Toyota Stadium in Frisco, mm. Texas. Has a great ring to it. Yeah. Uh, University of Texas at San Antonio versus Marshall. And Texas-San Antonio has been a really good uh, group of five program for several years now. They have a terrific coach. They have a sensational quarterback who I think is going to get an NFL look, maybe a CFL guy. I'm going to lay 12 points with the Roadrunners of UTSA versus the Thundering Herd of Marshall. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of nicknames in that sport. Yeah, Mike. yeah. Yeah, a lot of bowl names, a lot of nicknames. Can I take you through some of the other bowl games that are coming up here? The RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Oh, yeah. You know? So much history packed there. with tradition. Yeah. Uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, that one I don't mind. That mm-hmm. one actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The uh, SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. And then who can forget the Duke's Mayo Bowl where the winning coach gets a bath, not with Gatorade, but with Duke's Mayo, much to the delight of his players. Oh, my God. It's disgusting. <laughs> Just disgusting. Wasabi Fenway Bowl. That was a play at Fenway. I don't mind that. You get doused in wasabi. That would be oh, fun. That would be, oh, that would be, that would sting the oh eyes. Oh, my God. Now, it? Where are the goggles? 
for the wasabi dunk. It's a Pop Tarts bowl this year. Mm, yummy. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Covered in frosted flakes. Mm. Sounds fun. Uh, my Betway bet of the day is Canada and Finland on Boxing Day. Looking ahead already. Oh, my God. Yeah. You allowed to do that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. And and there's not a lot of shine on this Canadian team right now. No. Despite the Poitras edition that we talked about. Um, I'm going to go for the upset. Finland to stun Ooh. the Canadians. 230. Ooh. Yeah. On your Betway, bets of the day must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rinkwide and Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.